This podcast is brought to you by Media 8. Welcome to Off the Cuff with Kel, conversations from the front line, a podcast and live show for survivors and the leaders who support them. I'm your host, Kelly Humphreys, a survivor of child sexual abuse, advocate, author, speaker, ambassador, a lover of all things outdoors with over 15 years of law enforcement experience. Please support me in my mission to break cycles of abuse and trauma. You can help by donating to my Patreon account at patreon.com forward slash Kelly Humphreys. Hello guys and welcome to another episode of Off The Cuff with Cal. I'm so excited. We're up to number 18, if I can count. <laughs> episode number 18 uh, and I've got the amazing John Rouse with us tonight. Hello John and welcome to Off The Cuff with Cal. Lovely to be here, Kel. Thank you for inviting me. I'm very excited. So, look, he didn't want me to go through the five million uh, different <laughs> accolades, but, John, you're a retired uh, detective inspector with the Queensland Police Service. You've got over, well, actually, I think it's 39 and a half years uh, with the QPS. Um, Australian Police Medal, nominee, Australian of the Year, ambassador to about 5,000 child protection organisations. Um, you, well, I'm going to say the professor of practice at Alex, which is actually where I'm currently employed. So, uh, I absolutely just love being able to pick your brain whenever I feel like it. It's so much fun. <laughs> um, but currently, uh, you're also on the board for ICMIC and the Daniel Morgan Foundation. Is that right? Yep, that's correct. All right. So retirement actually means nothing. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I, didn't, Is that fair to say? I didn't want to retire, Kelly. <laughs> That's right. So I had. It's, uh, it's, um, a, it's a single, well, it's just another great act of discrimination, isn't it? <laughs> really? So, yes. Um, relatively vocal about that. It's, uh, and only because I just wasn't given the choice. Yes. Well, you don't look, I'm just going to say, you don't look over 60, John. It, does, it doesn't become you. <laughs> Um, Some days I feel over 60. I, mostly I don't feel over 60. No. I think <laughs> I've got a fair bit to give and I'm trying to do that. You are, absolutely. Um, I, uh, you're also, sorry, uh, the Victims Commission of Queensland, so I did want to mention that as well. Um, interim so I can't, Commissioner. Interim. Well, look, you're still, you're still in the role. <laughs> so um, I'm very excited because I... I have had some conversations, big conversations with you recently, John, and I've said, and before I even forget, I'm just going to say thank you because I know how busy you are and how time poor you are and you're spending your time drinking wine and chilling out with us tonight, um, advocating and protecting kids. So I'm just very grateful that you have given your time for this tonight. Um, but I just, as I was saying before we, we started, is I just... I love chatting with you, but I want to cry as equally as I want to scream for joy because I'm, I'm so excited by the work that you're doing and, and the people that, you know, you and I both spend our time with you particularly, um, but also equally frustrated because of the level of um, depravity and, and the number of children who are being exploited, exploited, not just here in Australia, but worldwide. And it scares the shit out of me. And I wanted this conversation tonight to be 
hopeful but also a reality check i want our people to know what's really going on and i'm hoping that you'll take a bit of a journey with me and rip the band-aid off and um, i think i've got much choice to I'm, I'm, I'm following you Kel. you take me there all right yes okay yeah because look i i just i'm so i'm so concerned and we don't have these conversations and i i don't know anyone who knows as much about this topic as you do i really don't um so i guess i guess the first question is do you think we're getting any better at this yeah absolutely we are uh if i look at how it was when i started to where we are now oh gosh it's chalk and cheese i mean you know we're connected globally we weren't connected globally when i started we in real time, coverts are talking to coverts across the globe. Victim ID are talking to victim ID across the world. Uh, intelligence leads are shared. Kids are getting saved within hours. Yeah, uh, we absolutely have come a long way in the 23 years that I've been in the technology facilitated crimes against children's space. Yeah. And also too, John, I should just drop in for, for anyone who is listening, we are going to be talking about child abuse and child abuse material um, and child sexual abuse themes. So if that is triggering for you, please jump onto my website um, and there are some support numbers there for you as well. So um, we both, John and I, are working in the space where we are advocating for victims and survivors um, of you know, child exploitation and abuse. But uh, equally, it's um, such a concerning space. And I think I was just saying um, to, to John beforehand, I, was, I did a, a Google search just for shits and giggles, basically, to find out what the most uh, leading cause of risk to children is in Australia. Uh, and it says falls and burns and drowning. And uh, I was a little bit confused because... Our Australian child maltreatment study, study says that one in three children, uh, one in three girls and one in five boys are going to be sexually abused before the age of uh, 18. And I don't know what's more of a risk <laughs> because it's not it's not falls and burns and drowning. And uh, we're just not talking about, we're not talking about child sexual abuse. So why is that? Why are we not having this conversation? It's not like we're not trying to put it out there. Like, I mean, there isn't a day that goes by that you don't see. Well, maybe it's my Google alerts that goes off because I follow certain media streams, but there is not a day goes by that there is not something on LinkedIn or on any other form of social media that talks about this issue. Uh, you don't see it on the news very much, that's for sure, which is the mainstream way that most people get their insight into what's happening in the world. But uh, if I was going to give you an honest reflection on that, uh the issue of child sexual abuse isn't something that people want to talk about it's not something that the media want to talk about uh it's it's a confronting topic they want to hear about and i'll talk about my my old friend dennis ferguson because uh, i had De dennis in the in the day just about rang me nearly every single day uh, they want to hear about that predatorial evil person <laughs> Dennis Ferguson was almost clinically blind you know he had support people with him uh, he was probably in terms of predatorial offenders that he, he was probably on the lower end of the scale yeah he was definitely a bad man but um, 
But the media want to hear about that. They don't want to hear about what is the uncomfortable truth about child sexual abuse and the statistics are there to support it. Every child protection advocacy agency in this country knows it and says it, but it doesn't get it doesn't make the news. The the sexual abuse of ch children predominantly is an intrafamilial offence, and it's within. It's all about access, Kel. Everything about this crime type is about access. So first point of access is your family, brothers, sisters, aunt, uncle, mum, dad, cousins. Then it goes in concentric circles out from there. You'll see the, you know, the teachers or the sporting coach, uh, they'll make the news all the time. It's very rare you hear about the intrafamilial sexual abuse of children. And, you know, the work that I really focused on for a long time in policing was victim identification and turning turning the investigative uh, focus away from arrest statistics, how many charges and how many bodies hit the bin, uh, to how many children we remove from harm as being your key performance indicator. Um, and that required us to develop victim identification. It, it required us to start looking at images not as kiddie porn and child porn as media call it, which just to this day incenses me. At least we got it into our criminal code. Very triggering. It <laughs> it's disgusting. It is. But the media continue to do it. Child porn bust. Like, uh, that's actually a crime scene photograph, <laughs> actually. It's, it's a capture of a moment in time where a child is in, enduring one of the most horrendous moments of that child's life. And our job is to find that child. And there's clues in that material that helps us find children. That's what victim identification is about. Uh, so it's been a journey trying to bring Australian law enforcement to bring the ship around to focusing on what's important. And that's the kids. Mm. And that volume of content that we're dealing with. And it, it's the abhorrent part that's very challenging psychologically for our people. Uh, but, you know, getting, getting police to start thinking about the actual children and the victims in the content, that's why the children in the pictures was called the children in the pictures in that documentary, because it, that's exactly what it is all about. So it's been a journey bringing that around. Um, but going back to, I still have enough brain cells to recognise that you had a question there, and that is that, you know, the public don't want to hear this. And the media don't want to report on this. They want to talk about the predator, you know, the extra familial threat, but the threat is within. It's a fact. Mm -hmm. And if you look at nearly every single victim identification case that the police work on, it leads back to an intrafamilial offence because somebody has access to the child to capture that content. You'll get incidents like the family, like the childcare centre worker. That happens. Yeah, uh, but predominantly victim identification work is focused on intrafamilial offending. Yeah, I think, um, and I'm so glad you said that because I get really upset because that's what we, you know, it's the one percent of the media that's focusing on, you know, the, the dude in the park or the scary guy that actually looks like, you know, what we think a pedophile looks like, but it's not. The risk is so close to home, and we just completely, uh, you know put that out of our mind thinking that can't be my dad, it can't be my stepdad, it can't be my grandfather, it can't be my uncle, but that's who's 
doing the stuff and taking it a step further john like you've been working um in the space of online child sex offending for such a long time now to think that um there's perpetrators then in the family recording that abuse and putting that abuse online like it's a currency people in a, i just don't think australian families think that that can possibly happen to them oh my gosh you, nobody would want this to happen to them like i i've reflected a few times on one of the moments in my life where i i actually had to literally slap my own face girl where on that the day where i questioned leaving my daughter with my dad yeah you know and that's the environment i've been working in and that's what i was seeing but i was going <laughs> and i'll never forgive myself for that you know because my dad died gosh 17 years ago now but um but that's the environment i'm in you know uh, let's reflect on the the child care center issue mm. a lot of our bid people have children in daycare centers right so yep. they were having to go through the content that that offender produced at daycare centers uh, these are the challenges we confront that you take home and we are human beings you know you've uh, it haunts you you give your kids a, a bigger hug one fortunately mine's 28 now she's well well and truly flown the coop and down in sydney and doing really well but um but yeah it, it's it's just not something I think that people want to think about can happen, but Jesus, it does. It really does. It happens all the time. Yeah. I I think um, I just saw a news article um, that they're going to now put some sort of legislation in place about not having phones in childcare centres to potentially avoid that issue, which um, at the end of the day, offenders groom the people that they're around in order to get access to children and you know it doesn't matter how much regulation we have there's still going to be these people in our world. look the threat's always going to be there kel but you've got to put in at least barriers to it you know Absolutely. people criticize the blue card system okay uh i support the blue card system at least it's something that's in place to make sure the convicted child sex offenders can't gain employment that gives them access to children that doesn't yeah. mean that some have got through the loop because they haven't ever been picked up or identified as an offender but at least we have a barrier. Okay? Yeah. Um, we have to do everything we can as we identify it and put it in place to protect kids. And it's um, it's abhorrent that this happened. And you know what? One of the things I lament about it is that there's good men out there that want to be teachers and there's good men out there that would want to work in a childcare centre. Look at the stigma associated with it. Yeah, I think that's got to be really hard because there is, I mean, I've got wonderful men in my my family and extended networks who, you know, they're brilliant, but it must be very difficult um, coming into a space like that and having to it's deal with that. It's stigmatised. It really is. But, you know, it's uh, the threat is there. Uh, it's a fact. Uh, you've just got to make sure that as, as you identify risk that you address the risk and put systems and processes in place to protect our kids. Um, and a childcare set, look, what I said before, I'll repeat again, access. 100%. And it's all about access. So if you're a child sex offender, if you have a sexual preference for children, you will gravitate towards work that gives you 
legitimate access to children. It's, it's, it's no brainer stuff. So, and you know, that unfortunately that then stigmatizes certain occupations, which is a fact and good people are caught up in that, which is just bloody terrible. Um, mm. but it's, it's just my experience that, uh, ultimately there's very few days go by that you do not see somebody in a capacity that has employment that provides them with access to children that is arrested for possession of child abuse material. It's a fact. Mm. It's interesting. I saw something the other day um, about, I can't even remember what it was called, John, but like uh, uh, detectives, investigators, and even, um, you know, anybody really being able to pick up on the obvious nature of um, sex offenders trying to reach children. So it could be just as simple as, you know, somebody puts a picture up of a child um, who doesn't have a lot of clothes on and, a person who you might know in your network might say, oh, that child looks really hot. Oh, they're getting, they're getting very uh, strong and look beautiful, but it's, it's kind of not quite right. Like you get the sense that there's something a bit odd. So when we say, oh, what do you look for and how do you pick up on these offenders um, doing these open source checks and being able to identify when something's not quite right, like someone's comments or how they're like alluding to a certain child is probably, you know, it's, it's a good way to kind of, I guess, um, you know, flag something on social media if you're seeing it because it's brazen, right? It's so brazen. Most people, most, <laughs> most people will detect behavior that is not normal. You, unfortunately though, like, I mean, as you said before, and you actually hit it on the head, grooming. Okay. So they're grooming the child, but they're also grooming the people that have access to the child. 100%. And uh, ultimately with a view to gaining access to the child, perhaps, you know, as a babysitter while they go away or, um, you know, the methodology of the child sex offenders employer are pretty diverse i've seen them using dating sites going way way back you know where they where they grew mothers but and that was one of the warnings i put out gosh in about 2012 or 13 please don't put your kids on your profile on your dating site okay i, I appreciate that you're being open and transparent and honest about your situation in life but there's people out there that are looking for the fact that you've got a child and we made arrests of offenders that groom the mothers just to get access to the children. Simple yeah. fact. Uh, once again, keyword access. Mm. I think um, <clears throat> I think it's we have this perception um, that this offending can only kind of like it's only contact offending or just photographs. It's just photographs, and photographs are harmless, right? So there's not there's not a real victim behind that photograph, surely. Yeah. It, yeah. Gosh. So you know, yeah, you know, look, you know, the journey that we've had. I feel really old some days, Kel, when I look back, because um, when I started, this wasn't a criminal offence, right? It the the image, the possessing of an image of a child being raped. Uh, fell under the classification of Computer Games and Images Act. It was a censorship 
Really? Oh yeah. <laughs> I actually didn't know that. Yeah. Oh, wow. Okay. We we actually had to take the content to the state government censor and get a certificate telling us that it was unlawful and that we could commence our prosecution. Um, wow. Fortunately, we had a very good, uh, and I've, I've worked for successive great police ministers. Uh, Judy Spence was our police minister. Uh, she sent her cabinet in one day to see what we were doing in Argos. <laughs> she basically was left with, what do you need? I said, well, can we get this out of the criminal code for a start? And we were the first state in Australia to get child sexual abuse material. But, and it's that definition still stands, you know, 2003, we moved from a classification act to a criminal offense. Isn't that unbelievable? You know, that that image was still considered kitty porn and child porn. And, you know, if there's anybody from the media listening here, get your bloody language right. Okay. Thank you. It, it absolutely <laughs> incenses me and it incenses everybody I work with that you can't get your language right. Um, just remember that that is a, a digital still capture of a moment in time where a child's being raped. If you think it's porn, maybe we should be looking at you because pornography by definition is images that by their nature cause sexual arousal. All right, so it ain't porn unless you're a child sex offender. And I think it's important to make the distinction that the reason that we don't call it pornography is because children cannot give consent. Well, that's exactly right. Consensual activities between adults. Yeah. So, yeah, I... I, I one of my trick points out, Kel, be careful with that. I get angry on um, things like that. Sorry, maybe I need to do that more often so I can get you on these, <laughs> like, on these rampages. It's it's good. I love it. I love it. Too um, old to be angry. Ah, no, it's just, John, it's like saying it how it is, like, and that's what I, I this is the whole thing with this, I guess it's what I'm trying to achieve, uh, it, you know, it's just to have real conversations about this, it, it needs to happen, um, you know, I, I want to just, just, I guess, rattle off a list of, of things and, you know, we don't talk about, but it's stuff like live sex on demand, child rape, bestiality, torture, group offending, peer-to-peer -peer abuse, child sex tourism, organised abuse. These are things we don't even conceptualise as happening in our country to our children ever. I, I want to make this real to our community, to the world, that this is happening to our children and we fucking need to do something. Like we need to pay attention because if one in three children before the age of 18, one in three girls and one in five boys statistically are being sexually abused, we have a, an epidemic. And I think it's over, correct me if I'm wrong, John, 60%, over 60% of contact offending is recorded. Yeah, no, I think that's, that's pretty close from what I heard, yeah. Yeah. So if just over half of our, or actually just under half of our population is under the age of 16, we've got a freaking problem. We've oh, got look, a massive that, problem. This is massively underreported. It's just a fact. Um, and, you know, the whole, I, I don't know where you're going to get to in your timeline here of chatting with me about sextortion, but that's really highlighted. I mean, that, that was an evolving issue, uh, 
quite a few years ago. Uh, the organised crime component of it didn't really kick in until about the last probably 18 months or so. But, you know, there's so many underlying things that have caused this to happen. And technology is the root at the root of everything here. It is completely because that's another form of access, right? Okay. Uh, the internet has provided a different form of access away from that concentric circles of direct access that you have to children. You've now got the whole world that has access to your child once they have a device, a technology-enabled device with apps on it. That's been the game changer in terms of the challenge for law enforcement investigating this. So um, the, the role of social media companies in this and you know, my hat is off to Julie and her team at eSafety. They do everything they can. They box above their weight globally in trying to hold the Zuckerbergs of the world accountable uh, on their money-making enterprise. You know, him having sacked nearly all of his trust and safety people that we work with in law enforcement or lost their jobs. We do not have a meta representative, as I understand it now in Australia. Um, well, the, guy well, I knew and worked, the guy I worked <laughs> with in Singapore for many years, Jeff Wu, gone. Uh, and that's all on the back of Zuki's uh, move to end-to-end -end encryption. Um, I'll, I'm on a, I'm going down rabbit holes here, so you might need to kind of <laughs> bring me right. back on, because we need to get back to sextortion there at some stage, so you need to, need to mark that. But so let's, let's just talk about this whole end-to-end -end encryption issue. So right now, the good people at the ACE Triage Centre, right, they're the men and women that are responsible for looking at referrals that come from the National Centre for Missing Children in Washington, right? So, I don't know, around 30,000 something or so come into Australia and that triage centre goes through those and processes them into viable uh, investigative leads that go out across the country for our teams to investigate. 70% of those come from Meta. Right? So right at that point, Meta was utilizing a piece of technology called PhotoDNA, PDNA, to interrogate the photographs that you send on Facebook Messenger. Right? It's not looking at what you're saying. It's not looking at your photo of your cavoodle or your pizza or anything else. But what it will pick up is the fingerprint of a child abuse image that we, we have told them is child abuse. So it, it just scans as all of this data is going through. That's the biggest intrusion into your privacy that has been happening. Most people wouldn't have an issue with that except for child sex offenders, obviously, okay? So Meta has been responsible and reporting those to the National Centre and they come to Australia. What end-to-end -end encryption does is stop that that those leads will now long, no longer come to Australia because there's no way of, of uh, PDNA interrogating the data stream anymore due to the end-to-end -end encryption. Does that make sense? Yeah, 100%. So, okay. so going back to sacking his staff, well, if you're dropping 70% of these referrals that are going globally that need a workforce to support the law enforcement agencies that are asking for more information, Here's an easy fix to keeping your profit gains up. Turn on the end-to-end -end encryption tap. Um, stick your head in the sand. Completely 
no longer see what's going on your platform. And I don't need this workforce anymore to work with law enforcement. Now, right now on your device, you can, you can turn on end-to-end -end encryption right now on Facebook Messenger. By the end of the year, you won't have a choice. It will be turned on for you. So that's the responsibility. That's, that's how responsible our, some of our social media companies are about trying to protect our most vulnerable. One really good lead, that, and I'll just only talk about one, that came from um, one of those cyber tips that came from uh, the, the National Centre resulted in probably one of, the, one of the more significant cases that we saw in what we call capping. This is 2017. And this, yep. So uh, capping we, is a terminology that law enforcement have applied to the process of screen capturing. So a child sex offender takes on the persona of a celebrity uh, or um, an attractive male or an attractive woman or pretends to be that person and then goes through the process of grooming a child to produce sexually explicit content and captures it cap it okay and then uses it to sextort the child to produce more content that's that's where the commodity is the image right they want more sexual content there's power control all of the things that feed their particular level of deviancy but ultimately it's not about a financial gain so that was 2017 we were really starting to step into that that one offender i think about 157 or 160 children globally he convinced to produce content for him. He had children uh, performing horrendous sex acts on themselves, sex acts with siblings, um, in some instances with family members, including parents, animals, all sorts of things. Um, now, we wouldn't have got that lead to Australia and to Queensland into Argos uh, if end-to-end -end encryption had been implemented. Okay, that's so there is valuable targets that come out of that process. So rolling this all around now back into sextortion. Do you like the way I did that? Yeah, that was great. You, you're on fire. I love it. Oh, it's good. My 60-year-old <laughs> grey matter is still functioning. Uh, there's, this has evolved now. So there probably wouldn't, I don't know how many people you got on a call today, but um, there wouldn't be a person in Australia who has not been exposed to some kind of a scam, right? You know, the Nigerian rich person, blah, blah, or everybody every day gets texts. And okay, so we are all subjected to scams. So the scammers are very adept at finding new and innovative ways to get money from people. And that is all they are after is money. So they found a really good opportunity to start targeting people who were following, for example, um, and I tested this myself just to prove my own theory, but um, Instagram, lots of celebrities, lots of uh, influencers. What the hell is an influencer? Somebody who's, uh, I, I'm not even going to go down that rabbit hole. That's what everybody no wants time. to be now, John. When you ask no the young people when you grow I, up, they say, the I have no time for that shit. <laughs> Seriously. Uh, anyway, so there's all of these people on there who, you know, are selling products or whatever else, but attractive people, attractive golfers who can play golf, but mostly they're flaunting themselves. 
on there. So you start following a few of these people, which I did with my Finstagram account, account and uh, in a very short space of time, I, I was inundated with all of these friend requests from very attractive women uh, with lead lines that were all cut and paste, many of them using the same, uh, same image uh, as their avatar. Hey, hot guy, you know, follow me for sexy chat, blah, blah, blah. Usual sort of thing. I reported every one of them to Meta. Every one of them came back from Meta going, this doesn't breach our, our terms of service. So I went, yeah, well, that's a no-brainer. Uh, <laughs> all right. So, so now put yourself in the shoes of 13-year-old boy, 12-year-old boy, 14-year-old boy, who's equally following said attractive female golfer and then gets these friend requests from these attractive accounts and engages in conversation with them, hasn't been through the, the, the grind that I've been through in my career, isn't uh, um, cognitively aware, isn't mature enough to understand what's about to happen to them, cut, paste, grooming process is applied to said child, said child produces a dick pic, and the conversation turns immediately to the now financial sextortion, which is a global uh, terror that's been happening. Children taking their lives, sometimes within hours of this process being applied, uh, thousands, hundreds of thousands of dollars going offshore into Nigeria and the Ivory Coast. Um, that's one of the biggest issues that we were facing when I finished at the ACE. And, you know, the, the Australian response was very effective in terms of uh, uh, closing down the, working with the banking industry to get rid of the accounts that were being mules to get the money offshore. Big process of public awareness and education. But once again, where's the social media companies in all of this? Willfully blind to what's going on on their own platforms. They don't care. Um, TikTok, TikTok is fantastic with its algorithm to make sure that whatever you're interested in, they'll make sure that your feed gets more of that because they want to keep you on device. It's all about engineering you. And the tragedy about that is if some child has a, has a particular fascination, they're going to get more content that's tuned to that fascination, which could be, as I'm sure you completely understand where I'm going, incredibly dangerous. Absolutely. Anyway, uh, no, no, it's good because I wanted to talk about sextortion because our young men are being targeted uh, specifically. So, yeah, I, I mean, women are also targeted, but mostly it's young men um, in, in this sextortion. Um, and, well, let me you qualify know, that just for a sec, Kel. Sorry, let me just qualify that. This is, a, this is just my own view. Um, uh, I've had this validated by some people I know overseas, but they don't care if you're a young boy or whether you're an old guy cheating on your wife, picking up women on this app. They don't care. They just want money, okay? Mm -hmm. But young boys are getting caught up in this net that was probably launched as a scam to hit up married men that were playing on the side. That's, that's a summation. I don't think that they're specifically targeting kids, but kids are getting caught up in this because of their naivety. Yeah. Well, I mean, I mean, I've obviously recently resigned from the uh, police, but, you know, just before I'd left, only in the space of a month, I think I took about five complaints myself, uh, aging from between 13 and 24. 
Uh, and, you know, one of the young men had something like three or $4,000 that they'd handed over before they'd come to police. Uh, you, you know, and, and he was 21. <laughs> you know? So it can be any age. It's just when you're stuck in that crisis moment of not knowing what to do, because what they actually do is they, they screenshot all of your contacts, right? So they screenshot all of your contacts and they say, if you don't give me this money, I'm actually going to send these photographs to every single person on your contact list. And they show them that they have those contacts. Um, they've already made the connection so that they've dropped these people's names within the conversation. And so when this fear hits this young young man, they're like, oh, my God, if I, I don't do something. So they're making these decisions in a, in a mental health, like a crisis. They're not able to think rationally about it. They don't know what to do about it. And so they just hand over money. And if it's not money, it's um, gift cards or yeah. game token things. I don't know those. <laughs> Anything that can be converted into currency is what they want. And, you know, they... I mean, they are incredibly evil. So kids have gone onto Reddit, like, to try to get advice from other other people that are going through this because they don't want to talk to us, like, I mean, to police. They don't want to – they certainly can't talk to their family. That's, they're just terrified. So they go into the Reddit community to get advice on how to deal with this. Guess who's in the Reddit community? <laughs> Scammers. Okay, running another angle to go, hey, look, I can make this go away from you. I, I've done this successfully pay me 50 bucks and like, you know, it's just nuke them all. The good news yep. is, the good news is that the fight has been taken offshore. It has been publicized in the media. So I'm not talking out of turn here, but uh, a multi-agency effort was made and arrests were made in Nigeria. Brilliant. Yeah. No, and it has from what well, I'm, I'm sorry. They're just going to find another way now, right? Oh uh, well, yeah, but you know, it's called disruption, Kel. Like you can't, you can't arrest everybody, but you know, the the effect that that will have will it, it just won't be the scamming we're talking here with extortion. It'll be all the scamming that we're getting. Okay, so it's the first real proactive law enforcement global effort that I'm aware of into that part of the world where it's been successful, and you know, it was very much led by the FBI and HSI. And I'm not sure what kind of big cards they pulled on the governments over there, but they pulled some pretty big cards to make that happen. And good. Thank you for that. <laughs> um, all right. So we've got sextortion and we've got um, offending and, we, and we're talking about online child sexual, sexual offending happening in our homes. Um, and, and I think we overlooked that fact. So I just want to go back to that really briefly because... I mean, sextortion we can talk about for a whole episode probably or more. Um, but, again, a lot of this stuff, even sextortion, I suppose, it's happening in the homes because at the end of the day, these kids are doing this stuff in their rooms or they're being contacted, offended against by someone they know in their circle. So all of this is happening some way somehow in the realm of the family. So can you talk to us about maybe some strategies or what people can do, how to pick up on this stuff? Well, you know, I've, I've been pretty, I'm, I'm lucky, Kel, because like I said, my daughter's now 28 
And the biggest threat that we had when we were online was number one, we were using a fax modem, right? Like to dial onto the internet. Yep. Number two, see PC tower, there was no phones. Okay, so I, I dodged a bullet as a parent in terms of the challenge that technology posed, but I had the conversation with my daughter, some very simple conversations that proved to be quite effective about, you know, friend in the real world, as opposed to friend online, who do you actually know? And to this day, we still see, I remember there was a Snapchat case we did uh, while I was at Argos that, you know, this kid had 90,000 contacts on Snapchat. What? <laughs> I know. Like, uh, you know, uh, and I, uh, parents completely immune. That That is one of the really big problems. Now, you know, once again, what can social media do about that? Well, if you're a kid, how about limit circles of friends? You can't just get, you know, there's so many things social media can proactively do to protect kids that they don't do. Um, but if I was a parent now, well, I mean, of a young child. I've got a three-year-old and a two-year-old, but they're caboodles, so it's a completely different problem. Um, the thing I'll be doing, I'll be having the conversation about online safety. I'll be having the conversation about the applications they're using. I'll be going through their friends lists. I'll be making sure as a parent, I was fully aware of the applications that they're using. I'd install them myself so that I understand how to set them up and how they're used. I'd be doing research. E-Safety Commission has got a bucket load of information about apps on it, as does the ACE website. Educate yourself about the problem before you give that to your child. Because once you give that to your child, you've given global access to your child on these applications. And some of the apps have got some very good, simple things that you can put in place uh, to at least put up a front line of defense. But the most important thing is the conversation you as their parent, not their friend, their parent, your job is to bring them up safely into the world, not to be their friend. You're there to protect them, okay? So have the difficult conversation with your child about, um, I'm giving this to you for a number of reasons. Lord knows I'd give you a dumb phone if I could. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but I'm going to have access to your phone whenever I want to have access to your phone. I will have the password to your phone. I will look at the photographs that you are capturing and saving and sharing because I'm your parent. <laughs> and that's going to be a really tough pill for some parents to swallow. But if you ask any police officer that's worked in this crime type, uh, I guarantee you that that's one of the practices they're putting in place. And the other thing I'll be doing End of the night, surrender devices. Thank you very much. Everybody into bed and sleep because that's what beds are for. They're to sleep in, not to wait till mum and dad are asleep so you can get on your device and do whatever it is that you're going to do that I have seen kids do because they've been sextorted, right? Capturing that content when mum and dad have gone to sleep. So surrender devices and you get them back in the morning. Some really, I'm sorry, that may sound brutal, but it's just, there was a clip that we did when I was at QPS, uh, Amanda Lampy from the media team uh, orchestrated it and, and then we split it up amongst the crew, but it was the, if you'd seen what I've seen campaign that we put out. 
and it was like I think about eight or nine of us at Argos just just telling our own versions of what we would do as a parent if you'd seen what we've seen. And I'll be putting in some pretty robust um, geofences to protect my kids because uh, technology is incredibly dangerous and it's more dangerous in the hands of families that don't understand how bloody dangerous it is. I think you've just hit the nail on the head is that lack of understanding how dangerous it is and access I think is two of the big things that you've kind of said tonight because like, as I'm kind of looking at all, uh, obviously I'm, I'm doing a lot of research at the moment um, in, in my new role and I'm just flabbergasted at means, accessibility, uh, ways that offenders avoid detection. Um, you know, it, it's not just um you know getting stuff recorded and put online like there's there's whole organizations dedicated to abusing children there's there's whole websites there's whole platforms that are dedicated to how to abuse a child like teaching other perpetrators how to perpetrate so that they can avoid detection yep. people don't know that this exists and they just don't i just don't think australians get it I, I really don't look I, I can't explain that Kel uh, I've been on the public awareness campaign for 20 years like I mean who's chatting to your kids I put my daughter on yeah, the front I cover of that. <laughs> yep. uh, you, that's 20 years ago that we did that yeah um, I don't know why they don't listen. I don't know why they don't understand. I don't know why they don't take the interest. And in many cases, they probably are. They are probably doing everything they can. Uh, and some fall through the cracks. But, you know, it's, I mean, some of the child sex offender networks that we've been involved in, I mean, there's hundreds of thousands of people in these communities. And you're right. Like, I mean, there's, I mean, there's, there's documentation that, that they produce that steps child sex offenders as a guide through how to, I mean, I remember one chapter on one was, you know, targeting single mums. Yeah, of course. No brainer. You know, go back to the dating app stuff that I was talking about. It, it's the reader's digest of how to be successful as a child sex offender. And that literature exists online, not just in the dark net. Um, so the threat's there. It's very real. I mean, I left law enforcement with the mission not completed. Uh, I don't think we'll ever stop the sexual abuse of kids. It's just a fact. Um, it's been in society for as long as there's been society. But um, these are simple things that can be done. And holding, holding the tech companies that are providing the communication platforms for children to communicate on accountable... Uh, is is probably one of my biggest crusades at the moment. Uh, Julie calls it safety by design. Yeah, it's a no-brainer. Like we talk, you know, uh, there's so many uh, analogies you can use. Like you know, playgrounds, you can't just go build a playground, can you? You can't just go build your own car and drive it down the road. Uh, there's there's rules and processes and uh, steps that you've got to get through to get things. But in, but apps, yeah, here, here's a new app. Uh, without anything in place to make sure that the most vulnerable citizens, the ones that really are going to leap headlong into this, our kids, uh, 
are protected at the outset. Mm. No, because it's about money. It's all about dollars. And I'm just going to go back to Zuki, my mate Zuki. Uh, let's remember how, what the what em, the empire of Facebook was built on. It was built on the exploitation of women. You haven't seen the movie, the Facebook? No, but I'm going to have to. <laughs> go, go watch the movie and you'll see what, what the, the master of all things Facebook built his empire on. Rating women. There you go. So you expect that man to produce applications that are safe for public consumption? Yeah, right. Ignorance is bliss. I didn't know that. So <laughs> there you go. Uh, what's the film? I'm going to have to. It's on my list now. I've written it down. Um, wow. Uh, I just, I, I guess I want to, I've got the name Shannon McCool in my head. Mm. Um, and I, I just briefly, so if, if you're interested, all the things that we're talking about. So um, John's, basically this is John's story. So this is Saving Our Kids and it's written by Madonna King. Um, and, you know, I've got heaps of notes and stuff in here, but this is a very good overview of some of the work Argos has done and the investigations that have been undertaken, um, you know, in, in uh, Queensland and across Australia, but also globally. Um, and it kind of reminds me of like a root system, I guess, or, you know, a, a network that is extended not just from Australia, but globally where our children uh, are being sent to computers all across the world. And um, one of the things that Madonna talks about it and, and John talk about in the book is um, the 32-year-old daycare worker. And, and I'm not trying to harp on about daycare workers, but it was just really prevalent, uh, John, because there was uh, something like 70 children rescued and 180 arrests just from him. Uh, and 37 of those were in Queensland. Um, and it's particularly interesting because this is a, 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 an Australian case and, you know, we, we look at this stuff and we think, well, this isn't happening in Australia. And, and I know we're talking about intrafamilial abuse because that's where most abuse is done, is in that um, immediate circle. Uh, but I just, I think it just paints a really interesting picture of how far the tendrils go. And it's not just our, our kids aren't just being abused in our homes here, they're being sent across the world and being re-abused, re I guess, re, you know, their material being shown to other perpetrators across the globe and being re-victimised time and time again. Yeah. So, yeah. Look, the uh, Madonna did a good job um, kind of pulling that together and she spoke to a lot of people, which is one of the great things. She, I, I just regurgitated names to her that I've worked with over the years of, of great people across the world that did amazing work and she interviewed them and my, so many, not all of them, but so many of them are in that book. Um, the case you're talking about also featured in the Children in the Pictures documentary, which is on SBS Live On Demand. Um, that gives you a really good insight into the work that's done in victim identification at Argos uh, and it really highlights the work of Paul Griffiths, Adele Desir, Scott Anderson, and Warren Bormer. Um, so uh, if you're interested, I'd put that on your watch list too. And there's also the podcast that they did 
which is on Listener app, about that. And that talks about Shannon McCall, uh, family's care, a family worker from uh, South Australia, administrator of a child sex offender network called The Love Zone, had 45,000, 44,000 active members. Uh, we infiltrated it and ultimately closed it. And collectively across the world, you know, we, we identified and removed a lot of kids from harm. Um, but, you know, South Australian, working for Department of Families, sexually abused seven children under the age of five himself, put the content into this group. Um, uh, that was the kind of, uh, we did a lot of work like that at Argos. Um, now, if I was going to say, I mean, in the retirement phase of my life, what I really miss is, is the team. You know, I really do. I really miss on a day-to-day -day basis working with those great people um, and having that frontline, you know, ability to, to do what you can to close these things down. Uh, so that, that documentary is worth having a look at. And the podcast, I think, is even better because you actually hear the voices of all of these other great people that have been involved in the investigations over the years. Uh, you know, Janelle from Canada. There's just so many different voices in there. Uh, so it's not, I mean, I can't say it's not super confronting. It's not super confronting to me uh, because it's a lived experience. But um, it's the documentary, you don't see anything. You just get an understanding of, of what, you know, your police forces globally are doing to try to stop this. Yeah, I'll um I'll drop them for anyone who's wondering. I will drop them onto my Facebook page so you can uh, listen or have access to those. So for anyone who's asking, I'll make sure that you get um you get to watch that. So there's another one too that is probably worth look looking at. It's not my favourite, but uh, it it did come down to a bloody horrendous case that we worked with um, my buddy Jim Cole, uh, and that's Hunting Warhead on podcasts. Oh, that's if you, amazing. I'll listen to that. That's brilliant. Yeah, yeah. If you want to hear about evil, if you want to hear about pure evil, uh, yeah, that, that's, uh, that's a, the guy who, who spoke to that did a really good job. I have real issues with the Norwegian journalist that was involved in that. Uh, that'll, just read that'll, come, that. <laughs> that'll, that'll come across. Um, yeah. but, but the case was amazing. And I actually got to, meet the team from Nashville that were involved in the arrest. Uh, when I went to, uh, when Jim got me to speak uh, at a training event over a couple of days in Nashville and I got to meet the team and it was the first time ever, maybe the last time ever, that collectively we talked about that case. And I've got to tell you, uh, we all had a moment where we shed tears because uh, of what happened in that particular investigation. And uh, you know, there's bloody great men and women uh, across the world that front up and do this every single day. That's um, testimony to them that they're still out there doing it. Yeah, and I think that <clears throat> it's probably a good point for me to just summarise and just say that's exactly what I meant when I said about me having these conversations with you. I, I get so much hope just from listening and, and again, the people that... Um, you know, you talk of like Warren and, and Paul Griffiths and Adele and, and those guys that are doing this victim ID work. So they're pouring over images of children being abused daily in order to find them, to rescue them, to bring them safely home to their families or, um, you know, to take them out of, you know, family situations where they are being abused. And it's just 
taxing. And uh, you may have been uh, heard our previous podcast with the Alex Lab. So we talked about the My Pictures Matter project. Um, and if you didn't get to listen to that, please do, because you can help. Uh, you can uh, help law enforcement um, by providing your pictures, uh, your as an adult, um, giving pictures of yourself uh, as a child. Um, because what that's going to do is help them to create algorithms um, and artificial intelligence uh, to be able to support law enforcement and their work um, through that project. So that's the My Pictures Matter project. So I will also redrop that back onto my Facebook feed. Um, but it helps people like Adele and, and those guys working in victim ID to triage and basically protect them and their mental health a little bit from uh, not having to view so many images. Um, I don't know, John, you want to add to that real quick or? Uh, no, no, you no. look, there's a whole, there's a range of issues around privacy at the moment. Um, and so ethically sourced content to train, uh, yep. to train artificial intelligence uh, is what the whole project is about. Um, artificial intelligence capability at the moment is quite phenomenal. Uh, it's actually helping uh, reduce the exposure of investigators to content because AI can uh, can help identify child abuse material and eliminate it. There's so many great uses for AI, uh, but ethically sourcing it to make sure that you know it's it's been sourced, not scraped and harvested from the internet, uh, is a large part of what the project's about. Mm. So yeah, you guys can get on board with that. So again, I'll drop that into um, into the feed. Uh, after the show, so um, jump on that. Uh, we've only got a couple of minutes left, so if there's anyone that's got any questions, please drop them in really quickly um, so we can send John back on his way. Uh, but in the meantime, I'll just quickly... I think Let me do I a said... quick shout-out to Locale while I'm remembering. that. Like, I mean, when I'm talking about Scott, Adele and Paul because I worked with them for a long time, uh, but there is victim identification capability in New South Wales, in Victoria, in the AFP, in South Australia, in Western Australia. It's been a growing technical capability that law enforcement is implementing. I've met pretty much most of the VID teams from around the country. So, you know, they're in every state and territory, uh, there's there's investigators doing this work. Yeah, I, I personally couldn't do what they're doing. It would be too traumatizing for me. And I, the things that I'm learning, John, in, in my research and stuff with Alex Lab at the moment, I'm just so, I'm so proud to, to I, I guess, be part of it, but to know that this work is being done because I, I just cannot imagine having to do victim identification. I just can't. So it's, thank you. Uh, it's confronting, but it's also some of the most rewarding work that you can do. It's yeah. In fact, I just before I spoke to you, I spent an hour with Adele. Uh, which was great. I love Adele. Um, you know, she was at work at 4am this morning with the headphones on um, every day. So uh, she's an so Adele she, she, is from um, Interpol in France originally. Is that right? Right? Yeah. So she's a, well, she's a former, well, French national police officer that went to Interpol on secondment to work at, at the Crimes Against Children team. Largely working on ICSA, which is the International Child Sexual Exploitation Database. Um, and she was 
I've got this habit of doing this. It's a really good. I find really amazing people. And then I go, please come over here and work. So she came over to Argos. Scott Anderson left the US to come to Argos. Paul Griffiths left the United Kingdom in 2008 and came to Argos. And Warren Bormer left Canada and came to the ACE. Jonas Sider left Denmark and came to the ACE. It's all about bringing amazing people together to do that work. You know, it's um, uh, they're living legends, all of them. Uh, and on that note, um, that brings me hope and that makes me, you know, as a survivor myself, obviously, um, it just gives me great hope that there's things happening out there that, and, and I guess a lot of victim survivors don't know. And I, I think that it's very easy to fall into the trap as a survivor to think that nothing's happening, that nobody cares, that, you know, law enforcement doesn't do anything, um, you know, and, and it's very easy to fall into this place where, uh, it's hopeless. And, you know, if, if there's anything that we can take from this, yes, there's a lot of offending happening. Yes, people are being tricked. Yes, there's manipulation, there's abuse, there's all this stuff happening, but there is hope. There's amazing people doing work. And, you know, it takes all of us together. And I know it sounds so cliche, like I hear it all the time, but I have had to grow exponentially these last um, 12 months and, and really pull on the people around me to support my work because I just can't do it by myself. And none of this can be done on your own. You really need everybody working together. And, um, you know, for a crime like this that crosses borders, that just has no boundaries, there's absolutely no other way to do this except um, in partnership with other states, territories, countries, um, and, and just constantly working to make this a better space. Takes a village, Gail. 100%. Just really quickly, guys, um, if you do want to submit your pictures to My Pictures Matter, um, there's a QR code there. So you can scan that. It will take you to the My Pictures Matter website and you can contribute your images to the project. So uh, jump on board with that. Um, John, we're going to run out of time. Um, so I just want to thank you again, for being a part of this conversation. I think we need to come back uh, for a part two at some point. Anytime, um, Kel, anytime. Thank you. There's just so much uh, that we could be talking about. And um, if anyone does have any questions, even if we can't answer them now, I'll uh, talk to John and we'll make sure that we get an answer to you at some point. So uh, until next time, guys, thank you so much for being part of Off the Cuff with Kel. Remember, if any of the conversation or anything that we've talked about has been triggering for you, please make sure you jump onto my website at kellyhumphreys.com and there's support numbers there for you to uh, utilize. All right. Thank you guys. And we'll catch up with you again soon. Thank you, John. Welcome, John. Thank you so much for being part of Off the Cuff with Kel. Breaking cycles of abuse and trauma is not something that can be done alone and requires all of us working together. Your support makes a huge difference. If you've found the content of this podcast valuable, you can support my work through my Patreon account at patreon.com forward slash Kelly Humphreys. You can also find me on all major social media platforms. Through my website, kellyhumphreys.com, you can contact me for speaking in workshops as well as purchase my first book, Unscathed Beauty. If you found any of the content today distressing, please reach out to appropriate support agencies in your country. For emergencies, contact your local law enforcement agency. 